0: Welcome to the Situation Report today. Glad to have you joining me. This is the show where we do our very best to give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. My name is Jeremy Stoliker, and today we have a special show for you that was recorded quite a while ago. We're bringing back a show to uh, really highlight an issue that continues to be an issue. Some of the guests that we've had on in the past are so good and have been so good at talking about the issues that we have discussed that we wanted to bring them on again and uh, share these episodes with you. So this is an older episode, but one that is as relevant right now as it was when we recorded it. Today we are interviewing, or you'll hear an interview uh, between myself and Dr. Jacob Daniel. Um, Dr. Daniel is uh, a professor and deals with so many issues related to culture. We've talked to him about critical race theory. We've talked to him uh, about many of the, the cultural norms that are changing in America. He breaks these down for us from a Christian or biblical worldview perspective, and grateful for that. The interview that you are about to hear is dealing with the topic of morality in America. Morality, again, a huge topic, something we talk about, something we say we know about, and yet something that is largely being redefined. And uh, I was very grateful to have had this conversation, wanted to share it with you again. So please enjoy this conversation on Morality in America with Dr. Jacob Daniel. Before we jump into that, though, um, I would imagine if you've been to the grocery store recently, you've noticed that things are more expensive. Gas is more expensive. It doesn't matter where you live in this country. Things are more expensive. The economy, our economic future is uncertain. And we have to ask ourselves the question, what is it that we can do to protect our financial future for our families, for our children? What can we do personally? Uh, One of the things I would recommend is at least considering adding gold and silver into your IRA, your investment accounts. Take a look, figure out how to do that and see if that is the right fit for you. The place that you can start is with Lear Capital. Call Lear Capital and you can get their free precious metals investor guide. You can also ask them about their Lear Advantage IRA that lets you transfer or roll over your old 401k or IRA into a gold and silver tax advantage IRA. Plus, Lear is offering right now crazy shipping, uh, free shipping and up to $15,000 in bonus gold or silver with a qualified purchase. This is something you at least need <laughs> to take a look at. You can call for details eight hundred four eight nine six four five zero. 800-489-6450. Lear Capital is the most rated precious metals company on consumer affairs with a near perfect rating on Trustpilot. Call them at 800-489-6450. That is 800-489-6450. Calling that number, you will get your free kit. And there you will learn how gold has performed during periods of inflation, government debt, interest rate hikes, economic crashes, even wars, and how in all of those gold has been the financial bedrock asset in portfolios. Uh, One of the things I love about Lear Capital is that they are an American-owned company, proud to do business with Americans that share conservative values. Write this number down, 800-489-6450. Call them today, or if you don't want to call, you can click the link below in the show description and the show notes. Check them out. You will do yourself a great service by at least investigating Lear and what they have to offer. Hello and welcome to the Situation Report today. This is the show where we do our very best to give you the information you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. And today's topic is one that uh, I hope will help you to better navigate an ever-changing culture. There are some unchanging truths and we need to understand those. My name is Jeremy Stonlicker and I'm very glad to have you with us today, of course. And today we're going to be discussing the issue of morality. Morality is something that we can make about us if we're not careful. We can say, well, based on our own experience, our past, where we were brought up, or around whom we were brought up, where we went to church, what we've been taught, this is how I have defined morality. But morality is based in something that is unchangeable. And yet, as our culture changes, culture then redefines what we believe about morality. We have to understand this if we, as Christian people, are going to move forward in a good way. And we want to talk about that today, and I'm very, very grateful to have in
1: studio today our guest, Dr. Jacob Daniel, is with us. Uh, man, thanks for being here. Oh, it's, it's a pleasure, Jeremy. I really enjoyed our time together. That was a couple of months ago. A couple of months ago. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm so honored to be here and to see what you're doing. And I'm glad you
0: had nothing else to do. So you drove all the way down here from Los Angeles County, and I enjoyed <laughs> (laughs) driving. (laughs) So it's been a good drive. Just sitting around (laughs) waiting. Uh, Man, yeah, thank you for for being here. Uh, For those that don't know, we've done uh, actually several interviews together in the last year or so. But uh, for those that are not familiar with you, uh, Dr. Daniel is the founder of the Heritage Council, has a theology degree from Oxford University, um, which is in England. It is, yes. <laughs> That's in all Oxford. I know about Oxford, in <laughs> Oxford, which is also in England. Um, theology degree from uh, Oxford, of course, as I just mentioned. PhD from Biola U- University. And speaks on so many different issues, so many different topics, specifically culture and transformation, faith in the public square. Um, you speak a lot on cultural apologetics, theology, and missions in the 21st century. Um, so much of what you teach on the videos that you produce, the content that you're involved in has been a great help to me in understanding these things. And uh, one of the things I love about the way you communicate is that you take these huge concepts. We're going to talk about morality today. You take these huge concepts that we need to understand, but because of how complicated they are, how complex they are, uh, we often run away from. You take those and you make it understandable, you bring it down to a place where we can actually act on that, and I really appreciate that.
1: Um, Jeremy, I think it's so important, right? I mean, that's that's the role of a pastor as well, yes. and a theologian, that we make these ideas um, available for, for people at all levels. Right. It's not yeah. just we are looking at life from high up somewhere and not experiencing it. Yeah. I think um, everyone goes through personal challenges and situations in life, you know, at these ideas that we hold so uh, in our minds must also make meaning in terms of actualizing it in our actions. And that has to happen through the way of our hearts as well. I I think that probably at
0: this moment in American history at least, more than any other, the work that you do is important. Because there, there was a time not that long ago where we could just depend on The systems in our culture Mm. and the fact that most people go to church somewhere and we all share this kind of idea of morality and right and wrong. We could depend on that and not ask these hard questions. But we're not at that place anymore. You're
1: absolutely right. What we have done is actually we have lost the plausibility structure. Mm. So if you look at uh, the, the, the culture in which Peter was engaging with, bringing in gospel yes. to the Jewish co- context right. who had a plausibility structure. So when he shared the gospel, 3,000 people converted. Whereas here is Paul engaging with a culture that didn't have a plausibility structure in mm. Athens. But he's redeeming that which is there available right. and using it for the sake of the gospel. And getting kicked out for that. Right, <laughs> right. right, right. So, so it, that's where we are in our culture today. I believe that we need to regain that plausibility structure where we can actually promote and advance the truth of the gospel. Yeah. Promote the goodness, truth, and beauty through it. Right. That's excellent. Um,
0: maybe we can get in some resources at the end of this. I'd like to just get your take on some books that should be read and some things that people should do. But let's jump into our topic. Uh, the topic is morality. That's a big topic. Again, this is something that I think was generally understood. There is right. There is wrong. Um, these were not Conversations that we were having broadly in culture, but now everything has been redefined uh, biology has been redefined how we interact with each other and the government has been redefined what is sin and what is not sin hmm. what is okay and what is not okay what is lawful and what is not lawful all these things have been been redefined and, and that continues to happen so when we talk about morality that's the foundation for all of this but there is a uh, a misunderstanding uh, maybe to state it lightly of what morality is, so let 's talk about that. Can you start by
1: defining what we mean even by that word or that term yeah um, um yeah it is always good to define the terms right, but at the same time, you need to understand that in the marketplace of ideas where there are there is so much of pluralism going on right, there is no one de- definition that one can come to and agree mm-hmm. upon right right, but as a christian we we definitely do have. Uh, A definition for morality. It was C.S. Lewis who mentioned in Mere Christianity that some people believe uh, morality to be something that interferes or stops us from having fun. Right, right. And he also says that basically moral rules are directions for running the human machine. Uh, It is a canon of principles and behavior, how we know right and wrong, in our collective enterprise. Uh, so from a Christian perspective, morality is something, it is definitely uh, a, an intellectual inquiry, a philosophical you know, uh, reflection right. on how we live our life together. But as a Christian, it is also to engage with the intentions and uh, the, the thoughts and actions and align all of that with the will of God. Mm. Not just any God, yeah. a triune God right. who is not just sitting somewhere up there uh, not being concerned about human affairs, but yeah. one who in, enters into our world. That's right. And so when we understand morality, we can understand it in two senses. One, one is um, descriptively uh, as to what is the case. And then there is also uh, normatively as to what ought to be the case. So those two distinctions are necessary. Primarily, what I would say is that when we define a morality, it comes down to Uh, Two possibilities. One is you define within the framework of the existence of God. Mm. And the other is the non-existence of God. So you can arrive at the question of morality through those two avenues. Uh, So when it's about uh, the non-existence of God, it comes down to human construct. That we are the one constructing the rules. We
0: define morality. We
1: define morality and ground them on natural facts. Yes. Whereas uh, nothing of transcendence, it's limited within our framework. So we define a code of conduct or a referendum on how to live our life together. Whereas when we actually appeal to the existence of God, then we have to come to the idea of uh, the divine uh, command. It is God through whom we receive. Right. right? And connect it with the will, character, and nature of God which is unchangeable. Yes. Because God is unchangeable, and the morality that He gives us is therefore unchangeable. And that unchangeable
0: aspect is absolutely essential to any person that wants to move forward through a world that is corrupt, that is broken in many cases where there's hurt and trauma. If if we're going to move forward through a world like that in a positive way, accomplishing things that are important and building families and working jobs and pleasing God ultimately, as is our highest calling, we have to base what we believe about the world around us on something that doesn't change. Exactly. So that subjective morality, when it divorces itself from God, Mm -hmm. that's why I believe our world is so upside down because it changes as culture changes.
1: You you know, uh, every framework of morality appeals to some standard. So what I say is that if we are talking about morality, there is no way we escape the fact that we have to talk about moral lawgiver. Right. It is either God who is unchangeable or is it something else? It can be myself. It can be a group that I form or I affiliate with or it could be the state. We will always enthrone someone up there to define as to what morality would be like for us. So, there are two ways to come about uh, uh, morality. One is a constructivist view. That is a view that uh, it's not just the atheist who come to that, even people of other religions would create a framework of morality that would be applicable within their context. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, and I always say that when we talk about morality, people tend to live at two levels. One is that they, 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 they they encounter the morality that God has already put within them, right? Which usually clashes with the morality that they encounter, which is invented, a a, a framework invented by the society. And whenever there's a clash there, that's where the individual finds uh, himself or herself to be in a place of uh, basically... Uh, abandoning any any, any yeah. firm foundation. The, the morality that is within us yeah. that you just mentioned, what is that? Uh, so, Scripture is very clear that we are made in the image of God. Yeah. And God, who is good, allows for us to have free will, whereby we make decisions based on a standard. And the standard that God has given us is, He, he has put that in our hearts mm. as well. Scripture is very clear. He's put eternity in our hearts, mm. right? It's it's not a framework that is limited or something that is limited within a set time. It, morality being connected to the very nature and character of God has an eternal property. Right. Whereas, which, which is and within that very framework, we've been created having that same image in us that we actually must and should lean towards the goodness of God. Yes. Right? And when we do that, God is honored through that. So morality is the very principle, the standard that God has put in our hearts as being made in His image. Mm-hmm. We can always rebel against it because we have the free will. And that's what Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden. Right. Right? They were given that free will. They could choose to go after good who called all things good. Yeah. And at the end, everything being very good Right. after He created uh, human beings, uh, Adam and Eve whereas choosing that good we went against the good yeah. and chose that which was not Right. and thereby we suffer the consequences of it but let me come to this in terms of uh, when we how, how do we come to morality right. so one is a constructivist view the view that we are the ones constructing it right so what happens is that we come to approve certain principles and values within our collective enterprise through social conditioning. Um, we presume that human nature by itself is innocent. We get corrupted by the systems. right? So what needs to happen is that we need to actually modify the system or, or modify our behaviors mm. to bring ba- back our nature to its innocence, right? Because everything is connected on uh, the, the, the idea of constructivism. So... Morals are not inherent in the laws of logic or anything transcendent. It is based on mm. biological adaptations, mm. right? Which is always changing, which is always feeding against right. the uh, uh, again, the framework of evolution. Right. If, if the physical reality is evolving, so must we. Because morality doesn't have any transcendent foundation to it. So... When morality is constructed, it comes down to our pure intentions. Our intentions, rather than God's uh, 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 intentions, right? Our intentions. Exactly. And what we do is actually we orient our hearts towards our desires and pleasures and direct towards our action. So what happens is that at the end of the day, we engage in a series of compromises. So morality is something that we come to through a series of compromises. Mm. It's a trial and error process. Right. right, That's how we come to understand without God. It becomes very utilitarian, right? So something is moral if it brings about the result that we are expecting. So at the end of the day, it comes down to the idea of uh, uh, consequentialism, that we actually not look at the good of the action itself but the good of the result right. of the action right so in doing that we we become very uh, we bring in our subjective feelings into it and thereby if i encounter something that is not bringing about a result that i'm expecting or i'm hoping for we feel that we we we've been yeah. you know attacked we've been uh, put in a place where we we may not be able to engage with the good that I think right. must be the case.
0: As you know, our friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. He didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Now Mike has done it again by introducing his My Slippers. For a limited time, you will save ninety dollars on a pair of My Slippers. This blowout sale of the year won't last, so order now. Mike has taken two years to develop the Slippers and they are designed to wear both indoor and out all day long. Made with MyPillow foam and impact gel to help prevent fatigue, they are also made with quality leather suede. Call 1-800-870-0283, use the promo code SITREP, or go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use promo code SITREP. This offer will not last long, so order now with promo code SITREP at MyPillow.com. I wanted to take a minute to let our audience know about the work that we do through an incredible veterans nonprofit called the Mighty Oaks Foundation. Many of our nation's warriors struggle with the hardships of military service and reintegration back into civilian life. Often they leave broken homes in their aftermath and comprise one of the most at-risk groups for suicide with over 20 veterans who take their lives every single day. Mighty Oaks tackles this critical issue with our faith-based peer-to-peer resiliency and recovery programs Offered at no cost to our honored servicemen and women at beautiful ranches across the United States. Mighty Oaks has one of the highest success rates of any program available anywhere. Visit MightyOaksPrograms.org to learn more about how you can make a direct impact in the lives of our servicemen and women to help them find a new life purpose through hope in Christ. Again, that's MightyOaksPrograms.org. Witnessing the transformation that these men and women go through is absolutely incredible. There are no words to describe seeing warriors restored to the lives they were created to live, changing their legacies for eternity. Your support is needed now more than ever, and will ensure that our programs are here for our warriors who are in desperate need. Again, the website is MightyOaksPrograms.org. So, okay, so this is fascinating because the, the things that have gone on in our country in the last year, I think, have been shocking to, to many of us. And when I watch the news and I see riots taking place and you know, all the, these many things we talk about, um, I might conclude that the rule of law has been cast aside, mm-hmm. that morality has been rejected. But really what it is, is my understanding of morality is given to me by God, that God sets the standard and I need to align my life to that. That's, that's where my morality comes from. But morality hasn't been rejected by those who don't view God as the standard. It's been created by them to frame the ends justifying the means. So what we see as a rejection of morality and a rejection of the rule of law really is they don't see it that way. They see it as it's very moral to do what we're doing
1: because it brings us to the place where we want to be. Uh, Again, because of the worldview uh, or... um existential framework that they have adopted. If there is no God or if they reject God, yeah. right, uh, then they are basically rejecting any fixed nature yes. in morality. Right. So when there is no fixed nature, uh, then it is about my intuitions as to what I think is right and wrong. Right, it's not about God's intention right. for human beings, right. or God's intention for my own personal life. It comes down to my own intu- uh, intuitions. One of the things that we need to understand that if we are not not appealing to God as a standard for morality, then we have to also abandon this idea of any universality in our nature. So what we are right now is that individual units. Mm. There is no universality about our nature. So you can't even talk about our fallenness, our collective sin or our original sin. So at the, at the end of the day, we have to come to the point where we, as I mentioned a while ago, that uh, the whole idea of utilitarianism, right? The Christian idea is one of that we are not just only concerned about the result of an action, yes. but also the action itself, right? There is something called objective truth, on which we actually rest our morality upon. So um, you mentioned about laws. Um, You know, it it is important to recognize that uh, even in in the American framework, majority of our laws even today appeal to the general equity of the Old Testament. Yes. Right? So there is truth in this that God has given us morality, but, but we would, because of our deviation, because of the sin within us, we would always want to get away from it. But uh, I always say the Western civilization is built by the Bible, the very product of Reformation, sure. right? Uh, what Reformation did was actually opening up this privilege that people may have to read Scripture and understand it and take it as a standard for their life. Right. So the time in the Western world especially, and this happened around late 18th and 19th century, if we see, what, what happened was Scripture was being abandoned through enlightenment. Scripture was being abandoned as a source of truth. Right. right. When we talk about scripture, there are two ways to come to truth. One is through revelation and through reason. We need both. Hmm. So through enlightenment, we actually abandoned the whole case of revelation. We put it aside and we went after reason hmm. as the only source for truth. Right. And in doing so, we had to look to our own self. We didn't We didn't want to look up God because whatever we know good right. in our life right, right is a revelation yeah the very idea that we all are made in the image of God and that we all are equal. I would never come to that conclusion right. rationally right so it, it's given to us and we abandoned it and what's happening today in our postmodern world we are even even abandoning reason as a source of truth. so we have abandoned uh, abandoned, abandoned revelation and reason. All we are left to is our subjective feelings as to how we come to that. That's why lived experiences, it's all about lived experiences now. Right? You can't enter my story anymore. Right. You would not be able to actually understand my challenges, my struggles. But that's not the case. So the Christian task was not that you may enter into my story, but we can actually we can definitely listen to each other and engage with each other and question each other, rebuke each other. But we have to do that in light of a common standard. Right. Right? I think it was C.S. Lewis who said, right, you you can't call a stick crooked unless you know what a straight stick is. Right. Right? So we have to have that standard and we have abandoned that in our culture. Right. And thereby we have come to all this subjective meaning through our lived experiences. Uh, And... uh, That's not gonna create a a common existence where flourishing can happen. So we're at a moment of chaos, and
0: that chaos is increasing. Um, Why has there been a rejection of what has traditionally been understood as moral? And again, whether people understood that or not, or understood where it came from or not, it did come from the Old Testament standard. It came from the Bible. This is how we've always understood it. but the byproduct of that was order. It was us able to function as a society in a way that was helpful, um, building one of the greatest nations in the history of, of the world and you know producing things and sending missionaries to other places around the world. I and mean, we've done some incredible things as as Americans because of our common understanding of morality. And now that's being reshaped. What is the ultimate goal of reshaping it when the process of doing that is creating more and more chaos, more and more division. Um, It's taking us to a place that I'm not sure we can recover from.
1: Yeah, um, what I would say is that one of the reasons it happened is because we have somehow bought into this secularist idea of that there there is something called moral neutrality in culture, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We have adopted this pluralistic framework where Christianity is just one of the options along with many other options. So in doing that, what we have done is actually we have adopted a religion of ignorance. So what we have said is that Christianity has nothing to offer in terms of truth. There are many truths. So if that's the case, uh, you can come up with your own morality, and I can come up with my own morality. right? Your truth is your truth, and my truth is my truth. So when we did that, we actually cut off the very foundation on which this nation was built or even the Western civilization yeah. was built. Yeah. We abandoned it. A- and this happened through something called repressive um, tolerance, if I may borrow from Marcuse, right? The idea that it, it wasn't through some battle, it wasn't through any war or, or, or oppression or coercion. Right. It happened slowly. It happened through the media, uh, uh, medium of media and also education primarily, yeah. right? Uh, people who intentionally position themselves in places to bring about ideas. And sadly, what we've done is actually, we know about this, that Christ taught us to offer to Caesar what is Caesar's, yeah. right, and offer to God what is his. And the, the, uh, the idea was, what does have the image, right, or, uh, the coin? It has the okay. image of Caesar, so offer right. to Caesar what is Caesar's. Correct. But we fail to question this, that we ourselves... And also our children bear the image of God. And the question before us is that have we offered ourselves to Caesar, right? And we have in many ways. For Caesar to inform us, the world to inform us what the standard of morality is. And in doing so, we have abandoned God completely. But as I mentioned earlier, the way God has created us, we do have this moral framework within us as well that usually collides with the moral that the world offers. Right. right, And we should always lean towards the one that is permanent, that there is a solid foundation for which uh, in God. So,
0: as, as Christians who hold to uh, the belief that God establishes morality, um, you know, I might ask you the question, can morality exist apart from God? And, and I think you've talked about that. It can. <laughs> but it's a different a different morality and there's a different standard. Yes. How do we as Christians that understand the order that comes from pursuing God and the fact that he is the one who establishes morality, how do we communicate that to people that don't view this issue the same way we do? I've heard atheists um, debated, and what comes up in just about every debate is well, apart from God, if you, if you reject the idea of God, then there's nothing moral. Hmm. And atheists will typically reject that and say, well, why, what does God have to do with that? Well, that's because they're creating their own morality. Yeah. How do we help people understand the need for
1: morality that flows from who God is, from that transcendence? Yeah. I firmly believe that morality comes only from God, right? Without God, you can't have a possibility of authoritative morality. Right. All you have is uh, opinion, statement of preferences. That's what we have. Right. So I'm not saying that there are two sets of moralities. Right. There is one true set of morality that God offers. We try to reinvent it. We try to re-enchant the world with our right. uh, understanding right. of what morality should look like. Um, and if when there's no God, again, I would say there's no fixed notion of what should be moral and what should not be moral. Um, It was actually Dostoevsky who is attributed with this that if there is no God, everything is permissible. Sure. Right? Sure. And a person who is not a believer may not accept that because there are many atheists I know, many people who are Hindus and Muslims and people of other worldviews who are moral. So it comes down to this fact that a belief in God is not necessary to be moral. Now, now listen to me carefully here, right? So morality exists regardless of one believes in it or not. Mm. Truth is truth whether you want to accept it or not. Gravity works whether you believe in it or not. Right. All right. so, So every rational person can be moral. But we need to understand that what the mistake we do is that rationality is a necessary condition. It is not a sufficient condition Hmm. to provide foundation to morality. Right. So when we talk about morality, it's not just the uh, morality as foundation. That's what a lot of atheists and people of other worldviews would hold to. But we need to also understand the question, the foundations of morality. Hmm. Foundations of morality as well as morality as foundation. Yes. Two separate things. So a lot of people would just dwell in the realm of morality as foundation morality that a society creates or they themselves create or come to, whereas not talk much about the foundations of morality, which must rest in God. So without God, you wouldn't have objective moral values. You wouldn't even have objective moral duties or accountability. That's why the way the world works, when it works on the framework of invented morality, it is all about contract it's not about covenant. Mm. But when we, are, we adopt or we accept the fact that God is, right, and morality is because God is good, God is the one who offers to us the framework or, or the standard of morality, then, then uh, we have to come to the point of covenant, getting into that covenant relationship with God. And thereby, at the end of the day, Grace happens, yeah. all because we are in covenant relationship with God in terms of morality. Mm. Whereas in contract, what mm. happens is that you can enter into a contract, you can come out of contract, right? It's, there is no uh, permanency in that, whereas you can't do that with covenant. And if you look at the way America was founded, and even the very constitution was offered, it was offered to a kind of certain kind of moral people on the premise that they will enter into this covenant w- with the people that they are part of. The American idea of republic, if you see, as I mentioned, it, it is borrowed so much from the Reformation. Mm. The idea of we the people,
0: yeah.
1: it's a covenant relationship. Right. And do you know wh- where we get this from? We get from the idea of priesthood of all believers. Mm that every individual has this right to engage in keeping this covenant with right. one another. Right. It's not a mere contract that you can sign one day and leave it. Yes. But if we rely on a framework that is invented and constructed based on the preference of a community or an individual, uh, there is no, then we can't talk about duties, right? We'll always talk about rights. Yes, right. That's why even in our culture today, it is so important for us to understand that if we don't appeal to God, we can't talk about moral duties, responsibilities, obligations, yeah. responsibilities. If you come down to my rights, my entitlement, and you got to do all that you can yes. to get whatever you need. Right. That's why there is so much of difference in terms of the justice that we see in this world, the social justice, right, and the biblical justice, right. In social justice, any evil is seen as a pathological issue, not a moral issue, right? If you're calling evil a moral issue, what happens is that then you have to appeal to the moral lawgiver. That comes naturally. But if it's a pathological issue, and by nature, if we are innocent, all that you have to do is change the system. Sure. Right? That's why in our educational sector... We no more engage in truth-seeking process or truth-discovering process. Now we are in the process of truth-inventing process in the sense that we're teaching them opinions. We're teaching them in terms of changing their social behavior. Right? That's not the task of the school. The task of the school (laughs) and education is to bring about all these disciplines and look for that quintessence, which is the truth Mm. that these all different disciplines of our learning contributes to, yeah. and that's what we're doing in our culture in other spheres as well. Yeah. And that's a dangerous place to be at.
0: That's something you and I were talking about a little while ago um, before the interview, was this understanding that um, if, it's, if, if this is pathological, if it's something that's built inside of us, um, then we're not responsible for what happens. And so you know, in the world that I live in, when I work with uh, men and women who have experienced trauma you know, through our programs, we do our best to help people who have dealt with trauma. Well, it's it's very easy then to dismiss bad behavior on the other side of trauma. I use bad behavior, sinful behavior, broken behavior, abusive behavior. It's easy to dismiss that because it's not my responsibility anyhow, hmm. because it's pathological. It's something that has happened to me. It's something that is in me. The systems need to change, but it's not me that changes. And personal responsibility is entirely Dismissed of that,
1: and this is not to completely dismiss that there could be certain issues of course, that need to be dealt yeah, pathologically. Course. Right, we have got to change some things, but that's not the uh, the real issue. We can't deal with um, an illness just merely by dealing with the symptoms. Right, we have to really deal with what's causing it. Right, and in that regard, I think there is a need for us to come back to uh, that um, uh, eternal foundation. Right. A, a morality that that is founded on truth that God offers. Right. And on the fact that and I always tell people, uh, you know, I started by quoting C.S. C. Lewis saying that some people think that it, it is going to stop them from having right. fun. <laughs> right. But I always say that you can really enjoy life and flourish in it when you play within the boundaries exactly right. that God has set. Yeah. Look at any of the sports that we play. Imagine playing a sport or a game without any rules or right. referees. Right. We would never do that. Right. We would never truly enjoy the game if there are no rules. Yep. The question is, whose rule? Even in culture, I would say every culture is a theocratic culture. The question is, uh, you know, what, what God have you? Right. right, who's God? Who's God, Yeah. you know? And when we talk about morality, we also need to talk about the laws of the land. So whoever sets the laws of the land is the God of that land, right? right? And even in our heart as well, whoever is the who is taking possession over our hearts and minds, and informing uh, our thoughts and intentions, right? Our attitude, our behavior, right, is is God over us. Yes. That's why it is so important and necessary for us to turn to the Scripture as the objective standard as the standard that it offers for our life, for our collective flourishing. We talk about these
0: things, we have these conversations, we bring these topics up. Um, I said this at the top of the show, to navigate an ever-changing culture. Hmm. We need the right information so that we can navigate a culture that's constantly changing. What would you say to someone on this issue in a In a culture that is changing constantly, redefining words and phrases and changing the rules of the game, if you will, how do we as Christian people who want to do the right thing, who want to live right in this culture, um, what do we do? Do we learn how to argue with people that don't understand it right? Do we just dig in and say, well, I'm going to do the right thing regardless of what anyone else does? Is there something in the middle? Is there something else? How do we deal with this as Christians living in this culture?
1: I would say it's not uh, one or the other. Yeah, It's a combination of all that you said. Uh, first of all, uh, we need to remind ourselves we need to set Jesus as Lord, set apart Jesus as Lord yeah. in our hearts. Yeah. We got to start there. Yeah. Unless and until if we have, if we can't function with hypocrisy, Right? People will see it. Yes. It's not going to work. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, if you have children, you would know that. Right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> children are really good at yes. you know, looking at our hypocrisy and calling it out. Yeah. Uh, so that's the first thing. Setting apart Jesus as Lord in all aspects of our life, not keeping anything aside. Yeah. He has Lordship yes. over us, right? He is King over all things. That's the first thing. Yeah. And then what? Always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have. That's right. Right, an apologia. And how do we do that? Not by our own standard. We have to appeal to the word of God. And we need to understand this, that um, the word of God, first of all, we should be asking, how true is the word of God in my own life? How
0: true is it in my own life? In my
1: own life. If I'm not asking that question, and if I'm working with the framework of doubt, doubting the very word of God and questioning the word of God, and trying to bring about moral change in my society, in my family, mm. or wherever it may be, mm. it's not going to work, right? I'll be exposed. Yeah. Uh, so what we need to do is come to the Word of God as a standard of truth and be prepared, and that is necessary. And you, ma- you mentioned this. Should we go out and engage? Absolutely. Right. We need to, but we need to be prepared. Hey, right. It's not about going out and making noise. I, exactly. What we need to do is that we need to be engaged in. We need to be able to actually do proper cultural analysis. We need to know what's happening in culture. How did we arrive at it? Yeah. Then we should be prepared to do advocacy. Not just, you know, a- a- anything mm-hmm. goes, kind of. We have to be strategic in terms of who we are engaging with, trying to understand their framework, trying to understand their stories, listening to them, but offering not just your own stories. You've got to offer your stories through the way of Christ. Right. It is Christ's story that you need to be offering to people. Right, and we need to actualize what we are. So, an analysis, advocacy, and actualize. Spoken like a preacher. All (laughs) (laughs) three A words. So, what we are preaching must be reflected through our lives as well. If that's not happening, uh, we are just uh, loud-sounding symbols. That's right. You know, we are just making noise. Yeah. And church needs to take its rightful position in culture. What we need to do is regain our prophetic voice that we have lost. We truly need to believe in the fact that when Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. So therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. There is this collective idea of our existence. As much as it is important and necessary for us to do evangelism and engage with individuals, So, is it equally important for us to disciple the nations? And one of the questions I always ask believers is that look back and ask, where did we, when is it that we did good in discipling the nation and when did we not? Mm. And then learn from that and be able to speak into your children's life. Speak, because that's your primary sphere of engagement, Right. right? Truth into their life. And then prepare yourself and them as well to engage with the world outside. And we, we are not going to do it with the weapons of this world, right? Yeah. That's not given to us. That's right. What we should be doing, doing is speaking truth to power. It's not about, uh, you know, the will to power. That's the way of the world. So world's morality would come to this uh, idea of will to power. So everything comes down to as to who holds that power and yeah. dictates the morality. So you need to be positioning yourself to that level of power through your will so that you'll be the one dictating the power. That's not our way. Our way is one where we engage power with truth. Yeah. So One of the examples I give is John the Baptist. What did he do? He brought a biblical ethics sure. to a pagan king. But then guess what? He got beheaded for it. (laughs) So it's not that we won't have persecution. We won't have uh, forces against us. But our task is given to us that we have to bring the biblical ethics, right? That's why I also tell people it's important and necessary to engage in politics. Politics and law is nothing but applied ethics. And every Christian have the responsibility, a God-given responsibility to be salt of the earth, and light the world. And we can only do that by speaking truth to power. Yeah, man, that's incredible. If people want to educate themselves,
0: because that preparation part, I think, is is what becomes really difficult. Yeah. What are some resources that they can go to? Some places you might say, read this book, um, go to this website, Um, apart from yours, and we'll talk about your, you you provide some great resources as well. but what are some things that you'd say, you've got, you got to start here. In order to understand this stuff and communicate this to other people, uh, what are some of those resources? I would
1: say anyone who is interested in, in this topic, there's so much available. Sure. Uh, so don't hesitate to go online and check. And just start looking. Just, just start looking. It is so much important yeah. and necessary. Because if you are not doing, those who are pushing their right. <laughs> framework, right. they are right. doing it. And they're right. capturing that space. And engage with people. Right. Um, I would always direct them to our uh, ministry, Heritage Council. Yeah. There are resources available there. And recently I've been engaged, uh, uh, I've been part of this group. Uh, we call ourselves, ourselves Equal Justice Group. Um, so you can always come to our, the resources that we have provided. There are a lot of podcasts and articles that has been provided on cultural issues, yep. uh, issues that are connected with this very idea of where, you know, what kind of morality we are applying in our culture. Right. Um, so that's where I direct them to. I would not necessarily, uh, at this point of time, lead you to any scholarly work. Sure. That may not be necessary at this point of time. But build yourself up to that, right? Um, uh, I, I would encourage you to uh, look into the work of Oz Guinness. Uh, he is a great author. Yep to read. I would also bring you to uh, C.S. Lewis. I mean, his I'll encourage you to read his Mere Christianity. Yeah. If you have not read Mere Christianity, it starts with that very question of fairness. Where do we get this idea of fairness, yeah. right? So it gives you some background. So um, C.S. Lewis, Os Guinness, and all the other resources that are available online, go and look them up, uh, and I'm sure you'll yeah. be blessed by it.
0: That's incredible. That's awesome. Um, where, again, can people follow you specifically in the work that you're doing?
1: Um, you can look, look, uh, look up our work on heritagecouncil.org. Council as in counseling, heritagecouncil.org. And I'm very much active on social media. Yes. So if you add me on uh, Facebook, I'm still... I'm an old guy, so I still, I still have a Facebook <laughs> <on> account. Facebook. <laughs> so, so if you look me up on Facebook, uh, and also we have a page uh, called Heritage Council on Facebook, so you can actually subscribe that, and you'll be give, there are a lot of res- resources available there, yeah. and you'll have more details in terms of how you can support uh, our work and learn about what's happening, how we're engaging with culture, and how God is using this ministry.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Dr. Jacob Daniel, thank you. Thank you very well, much it. we're, we're it's gonna been do a it pleasure again. we'll do it again on some other topic that I don't understand <laughs> thank you very much no, Jeremy you. it's been a joy yes sir thank you thank you another incredible conversation about a very important topic so thankful uh dr jacob daniel would be with us today it's hard to bring all of this together uh, and really summarize what was just said i hope that you will take some time to go back and listen to that conversation again share that conversation out with other people Uh, these are um, concepts and ideas and truths that need to be understood but for today and for the show, I will summarize to the best of my ability. Here is today's situation report. Uh, number one, the first part, most important is an understanding that morality, real morality, comes from God. We spent a lot of time talking about this, but even though culture may redefine morality, may make the concept, the understanding of morality subjective, it's based on them, what they feel, their intentions, what they hope for, where they're going, even though culture may reframe the conversation around morality, we have to understand fundamentally that morality comes from God. That's the first part, that's where it all begins. Secondly, and this again was made very, very clear, in order for us to be able to communicate the truth that morality comes from God to a culture that may not agree with us, our relationship with God must be authentic. If we say we believe that morality comes from God, then we need to live that in an authentic way. Otherwise, it rings untrue. It rings false. It becomes hypocritical to those that are already prone to reject it. Morality comes from God. Our relationship with God must be authentic. It should impact every area of our lives. And then finally, as we engage culture with this truth, we need to be prepared to give an answer. I think that often as Christians, those who hold to the idea, the understanding, the belief that morality comes from God, we want to engage culture... But we do it ill-prepared, and so it becomes a screaming match of swords, or uh, us against them. We need to be prepared. We need to learn. We need to study. We need to be ready to give an answer of the hope, as the Apostle Paul said, that lies within us. Be prepared, communicate truth, and help those who are searching for a deeper understanding of where this idea of morality really comes from. And that is your situation report today. Again, I'd encourage you to go back, watch that episode again. Connect with Dr. Daniel. Um, so many tremendous resources that he explained, that he talked to. Go back and check those out. Those will be a help to you. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Look forward to talking to you next time.